we sort of have this expectation that I have health and it's just something that I that I have. But my reason for changing that is because if you look at health more as a skill, something that you can optimize, that you can do, then you actually get to shape it. It becomes something that you do, not something that you just automatically expect to have. And you can have fun with it as well. And you can really optimize it. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm excited about today's show because it's all about health. And health is something that is most likely important to everyone out there. Well, it should be. (laughs) We all need good health so we can live a good life, right? Life can be more challenging when we experience poor health. We can do more and be more when our bodies and minds are operating at their best. There is something that our guest said in the beginning of the show that really resonated with me. Health is not a noun, it is a verb. It's not a thing, it's something you do. It requires action and it's a skill that can be enhanced. I love that. Whether you are in good health and you want to maintain it, or you are experiencing poor health and you want to improve it, today's show will really open your eyes to new modern ways of discovering what your body needs. Our guest is an expert on providing you with simplistic methods of optimizing your health and even turning back the clock of time so you can age oh so gracefully. Our guest today is Dr. Alka Patel. She is a TEDx speaker, general practitioner, lifestyle doctor, longevity coach, author, and podcaster. She amplifies health as a skill and an asset so that inspired individuals and bold businesses can create compassionate lifestyle changes for happy, healthy living and connected workplace wellness. Her TEDx talk, Health is a Verb, Not a Noun, evokes the emotion behind the need to create health as a skill. Dr. Patel is the founder of Lifestyle First and the creator of the Lifestyle First Method, a 10-point blueprint for heightened health and lengthened longevity. She runs a regular podcast, the Lifestyle First Podcast, providing regular tips for transformative lifestyle changes. We all need TLC. 
Dr. Patel's mission is to help 1 million people reach their potential to live a 1 million hour life. Please welcome Dr. Patel to the show. Enjoy. Dr. Alka Patel, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Tell everyone a little bit about what you do and my favorite question, why you do what you do. Oh, that is a big, big question, Wendy. How long have we got? <laughs> I know. Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> oh, wow. So what do I do? Well, I started off my professional career as a GP, the sort of general practitioner, primary care doctor that most people know. It's sort of 10 minutes in, next, please. Here's your prescription. Off you go. And when I went to medical school, I had this big heart of making people better. I want to help people. And you get to a point in your career where you realize that that's not actually what you're what you're doing. You know, sadly, I'd become the drug pusher. And there was a penny drop moment in my career where I realized that that is not the doctor that I felt I wanted to be at that beautiful age of 18 when life wow. lies ahead of you. And so I took a shift. And what I do now is really focus on what matters, which is very much about helping people to hold their own health, to take mm-hmm. care of themselves, to self-care in a way that really zones in on their lifestyle and you know at the end of the day your health is in your hands it is not at the end of a doctor's prescription or a needle or an injection all this stuff is good stuff the the surgery and the medication but it's the positioning of it so I'm now positioned my medical focus on prioritizing your lifestyle first in fact that's the name of my organization my brand um, which is very much about what can you do with your lifestyle and your choices to actually optimize your health so that's, yeah, that's- your choices are huge, right? And I, I, I was reading the notes before we started, and you, you gave. I think it was the TEDx talk that you did about that. Um, what is it? What did you say? Health is a verb, or yeah. not health a noun? Verb, not a noun. Health is a verb, not a yeah. noun. Yeah. And I guess it's thinking about that. You know, what lies behind that? Because we sort of have this expectation that I have health, and it's mm-hmm. just something that I that I have. But my reason for changing that is because if you look at health more as a skill, something that you can optimize, that you can do, then you actually get to shape it. It becomes something that you do, not something that you just automatically expect to have. And you can have fun with it as well. And you can really optimize it. And in my TEDx talk, I do have this sort of analogy of, of riding a bike, which people are very familiar with. But, you know, all of those skills, you remember riding a bike for the first time, right? Is this yeah, actually yeah. got to increase your skill set? Those stabilizers came off. You've got the wind in your hair as you're whizzing down the hill. And this is the same stuff with your health. You can really feel that optimization, if you take hold of those handlebars and you're the one in that driving seat. So yes, make health something that you do, not something that you just expect to have. Yeah. It's your, it's your actions. It's your behaviors. It's your thoughts about it. I I feel like, especially, I know you're in the UK, but especially here in the United States, we're all about being reactive as opposed to being proactive about our health. And I feel like sometimes we wait until our bodies are screaming at us for like, would you please pay attention to me? You know, like quit eating those hamburgers. You know, it's like, then we react and we're racing to all these different doctors, you know, and then it just starts this vicious cycle of take this pill, take that, do, you know, uh, uh, uh. and I'm amazed. So I used to own actually some functional medicine practices. So I got really, I was able to see people make these huge shifts in their health, which I think is fascinating. 
But the human body, as you know, can really repair so quickly and make a comeback. I think we have to have a bit of a reality check, though, here, don't we, Wendy? And that mm-hmm. reality check is life is busy, mm-hmm. full stop, and the acceptance yep. that life is busy. But also that having pauses in life is what enables you to hear those signals. And our body and our mind are constantly sending us signals all the time. But all we need to do is take a pause to listen. That signal for hunger is there. That signal that you're full is there before you keep taking those next mouthfuls. That signal that says, I need to rest my body and sleep now. I need to stop scrolling on my phone and change my focus. It's all there. You know, you don't suddenly just wake up with diabetes. It's been rumbling. Those signals have been there. You don't suddenly have a heart attack without those signs from from way before that tell you that you're really, really stressed. You don't just wake up with burnout. It's all there. And I think the signals are there and they're the soft ones. And as you say, if you don't pay enough attention, they become really loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a really loud, annoying, like, <laughs> yeah. So actually, let's talk about that, about the silence, because I know you had, you did a silent retreat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's, uh, that's really interesting. So um, this summer, I decided that I would sit in silence or stay in silence I didn't keep keep still but I certainly stayed in silence not just for a few minutes or a few hours or a few days but seven days and I didn't speak at all and I'm an international award-winning speaker for a speaker not to speak was uh, was some feat but I I did this because those signals are telling me that I really needed a pause and Finding a space to do that in a busy life is really, really difficult for all of us. Yeah. For all of us. So I actually took myself off to the mountains in Spain in Andalusia. Um, and I was there on a retreat by myself, just with someone to sort of help, you know, just uh, help me find my way as I didn't have to worry about where I where I was going or about what I was was eating. And I chose to use that time to allow myself stillness to hear myself. Mm. And hear our own thoughts what did I know about my favorite color or what happened when I looked at the sun or how it felt when I was walking on my own or what was really core in my heart or what the visual I didn't know because we're too busy doing rather than being and you know this whole concept of being a human being we've heard it before haven't we be a human being not a human doing what does that even mean and you can only do that when you allow that silence to allow your own mind's chatter to to come alive and for many people we're actually afraid of our own chatter we're afraid of Mm -hmm. what our minds are going to be tell us and hence there's a big avoidance for having any space for stillness in our lives because we almost don't want to come face to face with with ourselves but it was a beautiful beautiful experience to how and I I left um with what I call being in awe of the world so real sort of amazement at what I saw and what I felt and what I noticed and this real sense of wonderment was how incredible is it to be part of this this planet this stuff that we just take for granted and don't even know there and this huge enthrallment you know there's joy and there's happiness but then there's being completely enthralled by the smallest of things that bite Mm -hmm. into that melon and the sun in your in your on your cheeks and all these things that we just need to take a pause to notice so that when we are back in our in our busy lives 
we can mm-hmm. carry some of that with us and allow that stillness and faith because the most beautiful thing we have is our imagination our ability yeah. to just any moment transport ourselves to where we want to be and sometimes sadly that imagination takes you into the world of anxiety and what ifs and all the dangers and all the fears but in the same instant it can take you to a different place and I think it's you know real quality that we have as humans to be able to to do that so utilize that incredible skill that we have what what inspired you to do that yeah that's um oh you knew there was something more there didn't you (laughs) I can feel it yeah um for sure so um I've got three children and um for one of my sons, my my middle son, we discovered uh, fairly late uh, when he was seven years old that uh, he didn't have full hearing. Oh, oh. And as a mom and as a doctor, oh. it was, uh, you know, it was a p- painful time for me because of that feeling that, why didn't I notice? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a mom and I notice and I'm a doctor and I couldn't even diagnose you so I carry a lot of that for a long time mm-hmm. and I think as I kind of my years went on I wanted to understand what that semi-silent world felt like mm-hmm. it is world feel like for him when not every sound was immediate to him and our lives are so busy and there's constant noise and and chatter and that was a big part in me mm-hmm. a time in my life to be in silence. Part of it was to experience his world, which of course is not the same. Um, yeah. Come back with a deeper understanding. What I understood is that silence is not a scary place. It's a place of courage and joy and fullness because actually your senses are so much more alive uh, with everything else. So I came back feeling this real connection with with the silence and our need for that and the sense that it's it is a place of absolute courage and joy and fulfillment and not something that I need to as a mom worry about for him at all mm. that is such a beautiful story I'm glad I asked you I felt that there was some there was something that really motivated you to do it oh, yeah of you Wendy <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it's interesting because I've thought about that I've thought about even was like okay for people that are unable to hear and even see I've thought about that I was like is it scarier or is it even more peaceful because they're not getting the commotion of all the craziness of the world yeah. and so I've I've thought about that and you know I, I I did something on um a video or something on social media not too long ago about meditation and I think for a lot of people that are not familiar with meditation they think that meditation is all about just stopping your thoughts and no, like it's actually, it's watch, watching that ticker tape go across and yeah. really paying attention to what you're saying, especially to yourself and your thoughts about the world. And, and, and I do just like what you said though, too, I think people fear of what their soul is going to say. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I came out of meditation. I'm supposed to quit my job. Like, no, that means I have to, you know, like the verb going back to the verb, it's about taking action. Okay. I'm going to have to start eating better. My soul is like really talking to me. I'm, I'm hearing it more. And, and sometimes I think the, the world of noise is a great distraction for people in an unhealthy way, right? Because like they would rather tap into that than really just tap into the silence that really is the 
true essence of who they are. And there's not a lot of of science behind this as well. This isn't just a, let's go and sit under a tree and and close our eyes. It's what there's much more science to it in terms of different areas in your brain that you are opening up, increasing your yeah. creativity, being yeah. able to enhance your productivity, actually increases your cognition and your memory as well. And we've now got that, that the scientific evidence that backs that up. So there is a lot more depth to the need for silence in our lives physiologically. Yeah as well as the ability to, to hear our own own sounds. And I, I tend to liken it to a snow globe. You know, those globes that you shake and uh-huh. there's all of that snow and all of that noise that is just there and then it settles. Uh-huh. But it doesn't take much of a shake for it all to kind of erupt again. And that's all okay. Like not having complete silence when you're in silence is how it's meant to be because there is this inner world that we just need to look at and face inwards as well which tells us so much so I think you're absolutely right it's just some space to enable that and I don't say seven days I said try seven seconds and then try seven minutes and just see how it feels that is so tough that you did that I I used to have you ever heard of Kerpalo Center in Massachusetts I haven't, no. So, yeah, it's such a cool place. Um, They do a lot of retreats there and for breakfast. like So they have like this little community, like this hall or whatever you go and eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And for breakfast, it's always silent. Mm. And it's so fascinating. Here it is. You have hundreds of people, you know, getting their breakfast. They're getting their trays. And it's you hear even it what's so wild is that you hear the noise but it's beautiful noise of the silverware and the and the trays and the and the people sitting down and i find that you know everyone there no one's speaking obviously and they're making more eye contact there's more smiles there's it's so fascinating the communication that happens without speaking Oh, absolutely. You've definitely hit on something. And it's reminding me of uh, a few years ago when I chose to make that transition into the world of self-care and lifestyle medicine. I took a trip over to India to do some voluntary work and worked in palliative care. So looking after people at the end of their lives. And I went to a part of India where I didn't speak the language at Mm. all. So I couldn't communicate verbally. But the depth of conversation I had through the smile, through the eyes, through the touch was incredible. And that sense of care for people at a time of their lives when they really needed that connection was huge. And I did that without words. And Mm -hmm. there's universal language, isn't there, as well? Um, I know. Yeah, that is fascinating. Uh, I had gone to school in Paris and I did not know French, but I could always understand um, from the chefs if I was in trouble. But <laughs> but yeah, same thing. It was so interesting. It's like, and I think sometimes we forget we're all human beings here, you know, and we're all human beings being human. We're trying the best that we can. And like you said too, everything is moving so fast where everyone's so busy and we have to remind ourselves to just slow down. And sometimes even that alone, I feel is the best healing that you can do for your body. There is a flip side to this though, isn't there Mm. as well? Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the same time, so we're talking about silence and meditation and some of these feel like very ancient practices from 
thousands and thousands of years ago. They've come from the east. They've landed now here in the west. We've made them trendy. We've attached sign <laughs> want to do them but there's also something about this current time that we live in is also really really exciting when you look at things like back to data and technology and what is accessible to us right at our at our fingertips so when I talk about your signals as well Mm -hmm. I, I don't just mean those soft signals that you're feeling but I mean the tangible numbers as well that we can now have access to all that bio data that we yeah. can have through devices. So things like wearing a data ring and our watches. Ooh, yes, yeah. Sugar sensors and all sorts of things that we now have really accurate information on. So I talk about self-care a lot, but not that sort of senseless care, you know, that kind of look at me on Instagram, do what I do and oh, here's the latest trend and let's all stand on our heads or let's all have celery juice. You've got to know if it's right for you. And right. the way to know that is to be really strategic, is to look at your data and Mm -hmm. discover what it's telling you about you, which is why things like the data rings and the watches and the glucose sensors give you that moment-by-moment information on you that you can utilize. It's a brilliant time of AI and tech and genetic testing and metabolic analysis, all this stuff that I do, which A, makes health fun, but also Mm -hmm. makes health factual as well. I think both of those are really important. Yeah, that is such a good point. There is, it's amazing. I, I was thinking about a lot of um, inventions and amazing physicists because I posted a quote from Einstein this morning and I was thinking about him and I'm like, as crazy as some people might've thought that he was and look at all the amazing things that he did. And I think about, you know, I mean, every, everyone that has created so much in this world for us, to make it easier. Like there, it's almost like, oh my gosh, there's so many ways in which to be healthier and to age less or, you know, I mean, that's, and that's a big topic nowadays, like anti-aging. <laughs> <laughs> let's oh, talk yeah. about anti-aging. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, oh, it's a subject that I, that I really love. So I'm very uh, much focused in the longevity field. Um, and uh, I talk about vital signs and the big kind of five vital signs that you really need to know about yourself. So what are those five numbers, those five pieces of data that everybody should know? And one of those, my top one is your age. Mm. Of course, there's going to be people listening. Going, what is she talking about? I know how old I am. You know, I know my yeah, age, yeah. but I'm not talking about the candles on your cake at all. I'm talking about your inner age, your your cellular age, your biological age. Mm. And I think this is where people get very stuck because there's this sense that aging is a natural thing that happens. It's inevitable. We can't do anything about it at all. And there's a very important distinction to be made here. And that distinction is the distinction between getting older and aging, Mm. which are totally different things. Yeah. So getting old, yes, you know, there's a clock, there's the passage of time, there's the sun and the moon and the revolutions of the earth. And none of us have any control over that. So, yes, we all get older, Mm -hmm. but aging is very different. It's a very much a physiological process. It's your chromosomes shrinking, it's your cells. Uh, not not regenerating so there's a huge physiology involved in that and it's that speed of that which we get to control 
which is why we can reverse aging. We can change the direction of the biological clock, even though we can't change the direction of the of the chronological clock. And so for all of my clients, I test their biological age. It's the number one test that I insist that everybody has. Because like you say, when we talk about age, we all want that number to be different. No matter how much we embrace our age and the decade that we're in, there is this real sense of, I just want that vitality of my youth. Yes, I want the wisdom of my years and I want to retain that. But I just want that vitality of, of my youth. And we remember that. And we always want to be that sense of, am I younger than I am? And, you know, when someone asks you how old you are and you say, oh, yeah. guess, you're always wishing they say something <laughs> like, you are. Please pardon me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, and why do we do that, right? We do that because the sense of aging is like, it's not an image that we want. It's frailty and it's cancers and it's being ill. Yeah. We just don't like that image. So we wish and want to reverse that. And now you can reverse aging because you can measure your actual biological age. You can put in very strategic lifestyle changes and self-care changes based on all your data. Yeah. And you can watch that clock go back, which is exactly what, what I've done. And it's uh it's great to do that. Wow. So how is the test performed? So a very, very, very easy test. Mm-hmm. Um it's a finger prick test that I send in the post. It arrives through your through your letterbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it in the comfort of your own home. Get sent to the to the lab, which is where all the magic works, because we're testing um, all those markers at a very deep cellular level that have got a very accurate prediction uh, associated with them in terms of your longevity, your lifespan, and your and your health span. Um, and then that number, I know it's one number, but that number is so important because I really believe that numbers give you a nudge. The minute you know your number, you're being nudged to do something about it. So if it's higher than your chronological age, you're like, damn, I want to change that. Yeah. <laughs> you feel that drive and motivation to, to change it. And if it's lower, you're like, right, damn, it, what am I going to do to maintain that? Because next year when I have that test again, I don't want that to change. I like this exactly. one. So it's a really important single number for everyone to know to give them the nudge to make the changes that they need to make. So, I mean, I'll give you my example. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, when I went into the silent retreat, it was to welcome my next decade, um, really, um, and kind of open the doors to that. And I tested my biological age at the same time as I do on, on every birthday. And I'm 30 years younger than my chronological age, which is, wow. I'll take that. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. I want to test mine. I'm almost kind of nervous though. Like I feel young, I act young, but you never know, right? Absolutely. So- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing is that when I have given people their results, sometimes it's received as, you know, real kind of shock news, yeah. a big kind of diagnostic shocker. Like when you're told you may have diabetes or cancer or Alzheimer's or something yeah. like that, it's like, you know, that number really matters to people. And outwardly, you're like, but I, you know, I exercise every day and, and I look great and I look at me. Mm-hmm. And, but that doesn't matter. It's what's going on at your cells, which is going to determine your trajectory. And then you change it. Wow. I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's do it. I want to do it. Yeah, literally, I can, I'll send you a link and we can get that, get that test. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then after, you know, what, Let's say it comes back and it's like, Wendy, you are 70 years old or something. I don't know, whatever. What can you do to change it? 
Yeah. So this is the this is the key thing is what can you do? What are the things that underlie the acceleration of aging? And it comes down to your to your lifestyle. Um, mm. So we know there's this concept of inflammation. I don't know if you've ever come across that. So inflammation yeah. is what our bodies do in response to all the stressors that we have and a very normal and important process. But when you've got constant inflammation in your body, mm. which is relentless because of stresses, because of not sleeping well, because of not eating well, because of not moving well, all those things in your lifestyle, which back to our beginning, you have choice about when that inflammation becomes just relentless then you get inflammaging, which is the trigger, the accelerated aging. So it's looking at things like your sleep, looking at things like your stresses. And even though you don't outwardly perhaps recognize those, there are now physiological ways to look at your stress levels. So this sort of data ring, for example, that I wear, it's giving me insight into my heart rate and my heart rate variability. And whilst I might not feel I've got, you know, palpitations or my heart's racing, this will tell me whether actually right now, you know, you need a bit more recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. Useful, really useful to use your data as that sort of intelligent information so that you can be smart about how you deal with day-to-day stresses our stresses are there every day we can't really deny them whether you're losing your keys or losing a loved one it's yeah of life are there for us every day so it's understanding how to modify those and I know we talked earlier about meditation as well but again you know another vital sign is your breath right Mm -hmm. it's knowing this the rate at which you're breathing because again like that you can change it Right. And there's um, there's a magic number six. So this has been pulled out of lots of research studies that if you reduce your breathing rate to six breaths or less per minute, then you turn off your sympathetic nervous system, which is your stressful nervous system, and you activate your parasympathetic, which is your more peaceful nervous system. And so just like that, you're reducing the stress response, you're reducing inflammation, and you're helping yourself to, to reverse aging. And that's at your fingertips, but you've got to know, right? We're not all going to sit here going, how fast am I breathing? Let the, let the data yeah. come for you. And I have you- never heard of that ring before. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I have an Apple watch, but, and I'm not really good about wearing it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Which but is I one- need to start. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. Like we've got this at our, you know, different people will enjoy yeah. different things. I like greedy and I have both. So <laughs> and the, ring and the, watch. Um, the beauty of the ring, again, um, all of my clients, it's something that I, uh, that I give to them. I have this um, healthy, wealthy, wise Academy that I run and all my clients get a, get a ring as part of that. And oh, we share, cool. data, share data with me so we can really get to the core of, you know, what's going on and how we can optimize your, your health. Um, and the beautiful thing about the ring is it's a nice bit of jewelry. You keep, well, yeah. you keep it on and you can wear it when you go to bed. Like most people don't want to wear a watch. I know that's the thing. I, that drives me insane. So that is so cool. Yeah. Interesting. I'm just like fascinated. I've learned so much. <laughs> I only do these shows for me. I mean, <laughs> I let the rest of the world benefit by listening to it, but it's just for me. Um, so I was like, oh, by the way, I would have to tell you that you'll have to write a book. I can see the title being Inflammaging. Inflammaging, yeah. <laughs> that is a great book. Yeah. And people are like, what's uh, So you had said, so that's the first thing. And then you said there were five. Didn't yeah, you? it's kind of like, uh, I, I, I kind of look at them like the big five. You know, the big five, when you go to safari, you see the big five uh, animals when you're out there. It's like that wow factor for 
you know, knowing what your big five are. Um, and so age is one of the breathings. Another, uh, we mentioned kind of your heart rate, which is like your circulation is. You've got to know uh, that stuff about you. When's the last time you actually measured your circulation? You know, yes, you can do a finger on your pulse and check that, right. but also the data but that you can that you can use um and it's a little bit more complex um so i may not have an opportunity to explain it much uh, today but your heart rate variability mm-hmm. so a lot of people measure their heart rate and know what their pulse is but it's in between the heartbeats mm-hmm. that tell you whether you've responded to stress in a way that's helpful whether you've recovered from your stressors because the other thing most people don't do you don't give yourself enough recovery time so you might go and exercise and then you don't give yourself enough, enough recovery time. Then you think, yeah, exercise is really good for me. And you go crazy with it. And you, you accelerate aging because you haven't allowed that sort of oscillation from life or you have an argument with, with somebody. And then you, again, don't allow yourself to reset and yeah. push on to the next thing. And those are how those kind of stressors just add up and add up. So if you can measure your heart rate variability, you can kind of get a sense. Yeah, I'm ready for the next thing. Or no, I'm not. I'm still not ready. My body's not ready. My mind might think it is, but but it isn't. Um, so that's kind of really important as well. Um, and also um, looking at your DNA is really mm. That's another kind of vital sign. Again, as mentioned at the beginning, we're at this stage in our in this era that we're living in that we can access information about our own personal DNA. Yeah. So why not use that information? We make very blanket statements about people that you know all carbs are bad, so don't eat any carbohydrates, and everyone should do a lot of endurance training. It's really good for you. But genetically, some of us are more for responding better to strength training than endurance training. Some of us are better wired for being being able to metabolize carbohydrates better than mm-hmm. metabolizing protein. So you've got to know that about yourself. Otherwise, yeah. it's just such generalizations that we, that we make. So I, again, advocate genetic testing um, to that level. Yeah, um, that is fascinating. Actually, um, I had this company reach out. They want to sponsor the show. And they came up with this test, it's genetic testing, to determine if you have macro degeneration. And how you can literally prevent um, vision loss. And I'm like, that is so, I'm like, and what if we didn't have that, that science that, you know, that we, that we have now to be able to prevent people from losing their vision. Like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, genetic testing and DNA testing, that is, that is, so do you do that as well? Yeah, yeah, I do that. I do that as well. I mean, it's again, such a huge uh, gamut of things that you can test for what can you test for and taking some of the fear factor away from it as well because not everyone wants to know if they carry the gene for alzheimer's or carry a gene for macular degeneration but with many things carrying a gene doesn't necessarily mean that you've activated it and Mm -hmm. back to your lifestyle there's a lot that you can do to turn off genes so that they're not activated as as well Mm -hmm. so i don't test for sort of specific diseases from a genetic Mm -hmm. test but I test for more the sort of the metabolic processing um, that's going on, which is which is really useful in your yes. things yeah. like, for example, um, your chronotype. Uh, so your listeners may be aware of the idea of being a night owl or a morning lark, and genetically you're already programmed to be one or the other. The problem is we often counter it because we live in this nine to five society and we've all got to get to work on time or school on time and all these kids going to school when they're barely barely (laughs) woken up. It's probably because they're more night owls than than morning larks. And yet here we all are in this this box. But once you know your chronotype, 
you can adjust some of your sort of cycles and the things that you do to to match your rhythms and you feel so much more energized and efficient when you know what's what's the best time of day for you to do more creative tasks what's the best time of day for you to do more logical thinking tasks because they all map to your circadian rhythm and so why not know that about yeah oh my god I want that too send me that (laughs) (laughs) I'll be the guinea pig for everybody you know (laughs) I was actually like in and all the functional medicine practices, I, I was always a guinea pig. I'm like, I'll try it. Like, oh, like, we'll do it. Yeah. So that yeah. would be, would you, wait, is that the third? A, B, C, D, and then we're on E. I've kind of made it easy. Oh, yes. Me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, my E is all about energy. Mm-hmm. And if we're, if we're nothing but energy, then, you know, that says it all about us, doesn't it? If we don't have energy, then what are we? Uh, we yeah. It, we, we, it flows through us and out of us. It's really important to think about energy and where that comes from. And it comes from many places. I think I truly believe emotions are energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can radiate that into a room and you're radiating, you know, whichever yeah. emotion you choose and you have a choice about that. Are you turning up as the kind of bored person in the meeting and radiating that? <laughs> hey, you're alive and kicking and this is really interesting and I'm really curious. So you choose, right? Um, but again, back to sort of data and devices, because I do love, uh, you know, keeping things really, really focused is um, a lot of my clients will wear glucose sensors, so sugar mm. energy. So if you look at energy, we need a fuel source and that fuel source is glucose. I mean, particularly for the brain where all our cognitive functions taking place it consumes about 25 percent of the of the glucose that we that we have in our body so really important to keep that as a fuel source but what we tend to do is we tend to have highs and lows and we go up and down uh-huh. nice control you want a very very tightly regulated sugar level with a gentle ebb and flow mm. otherwise you start causing damage you damage the um, carotid intima which is the internal part of your arteries uh, which then get thickened, you start to damage the the kind yeah. of and again affects cognition. You risk diabetes and heart disease and strokes. But if you have that nice gentle control, your health is way way better. Back to that inflammation and inflammation as yeah. well. So, um, my clients will wear sensors and just with a tap of the phone, tap the sensor, know what their sugar reading is, and then use that intelligently to understand. That's so cool. send me that too (laughs) I want it all yeah you'll be walking around like you know gadget (laughs) with you (laughs) Dr. Patel's guinea pig I love it that is so cool yeah I've always thought of um emotion as energy in motion and I I tell actually the word energy is probably what people use to describe me the most I've always like energy, anyone here, so much energy. But you know, one of the things that really shifted for me, um, do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Teaches about mm-hmm. neuroscience and neuroplasticity. And I remember reading in his book, what's his one? Um, oh gosh, what is the name of his book? Oh, blank. <laughs> anyways. Um, and he said in there how an atom is 99.9999% energy. And it leaves only 0.0001% matter. And we're made up of atoms and everything is made up of of atoms. So we're more energy than matter. But unfortunately, majority of us focus on the matter. And that's what's the matter. But, But it's like if we focus more on the energy and realize that we have 
that like the word control, but we have that ability to be able to shift our energy and to be able to, like you said, you can walk into a room and really, you know, you can change the energy of a room, which I think is so fascinating, you know, but yeah, it's, and I, I know for me, I mean, I'm human and it's like, I get low energy and, and I know that, and sometimes I have to rally it. Sometimes I have to like, oh my God, I'm going into an interview. Like I'm going on Instagram live today. I'm like, okay. Like it doesn't matter (laughs) where, where I'm at. Like I have to shift it. I have to shift that energy, but, and everyone can. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? It sometimes yeah. it takes a small, it takes you to notice, first of all, you've got yeah. to be aware and cognizant yeah. of your energy level. And it's the simple question, how, what energy level do I have right now? Just getting into the habit of yeah. asking yourself that minus 10 to plus 10, okay, I'm a plus four right now. How am I going to get to a plus five? And yeah. it's simple shift, just shift your posture, just lift yeah. your head up, do your power pose. You know, we can all do these things. And again, physiologically, we know that power posing, you know, hands up hips or hands up just for less than 60 seconds. Yeah. And your cortisol levels dropped, your stress hormones dropped, your testosterone has gone up, which gives you that kind of confidence and sense of empowerment. And it's really, really important. So there's always a physiology attached to this as well, which, which is, you know, really very fascinating. Um, so it's not just about, okay, I'll just shift my energy. And a lot of people might think, so what? But you're actually making a physiological shift. Yeah. Um, um, and back to sugar. Imagine if you knew your, your energy dip before you felt it which is where when you're getting sugar lows, mm-hmm. if you knew that by tapping, because you had a constant, you don't even need to tap now with continuous glucose monitoring information. So you could see that dip before yeah. you even knew that you felt it and do something about it. Wow. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I want yes. it all. I want it all. Yeah. <laughs> Just sign me up. <laughs> so tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So what's the easiest way? So I'm uh, on my website, which is dralkapatel.com. So you'll find me there. And also on my social, which is UK. So those are probably two quick ways to to message me or get in contact. And I, you know, look at all of my messages, I will answer them directly. So send me your questions, send me your challenges. If you go to my website, I've got a, um, a little test on there, which is called the LQ uh, test. I don't know if you if you've seen it. So it's a bit like your IQ. So you measure your IQ to know how intelligent you are. Uh, you measure your EQ to know how intelligent emotionally you are. And so the LQ is to measure how smart you are about your lifestyle. It's your lifestyle quotient. So it's ten areas which you know through all of my conversations with my patients, understanding what helps and what hasn't helped them over twenty five years. I've pulled out what I consider to be the ten key absolutely critical elements of health that we all need to be tapped into so you'll get to understand your score there's resources for you to help with kind of changing that score and shifting that and knowing where to start you know with a lot of people when you talk about lifestyle and self-care it's like yeah there's too much to do I've got to sleep better eat better move better and they don't do <laughs> too much so this will give you that sense of where to start what's the first thing I need to, to do yeah I want to do so that's a great little uh, test to do on my website so that'll be a great place starting place well you know I'm gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) I do (laughs) have to post my results (laughs) well thank you so much and uh well we will definitely be in touch because you're gonna you're gonna help me like age younger so (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, yes. I'm 30 years younger than my chronological age. So you can definitely. I know. I'll just see if I can beat that. It'll be a competition. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much and have a beautiful day in the UK. Oh, you too, Wendy. It's been a really lovely conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And now for the nuggets of midlife wisdom from today's show. Number one, life is busy, but having pauses in life enables you to hear the signals from your body. Number two, the most beautiful thing we have is our imagination or the ability to transport ourselves to where you want to be. That imagination can take you to a world of anxiety and fears, but it can also take you to a world of peace and love. Number three, silence is not a scary place. It's a place of courage and joy and fullness because our senses are so alive. Number four, the five vital tests you need to stay A-H-E-A-D ahead of your health are A is for age, H is for hormones, E is for ecosystem, A is for anabolism. Did I pronounce that right? <laughs> Which means nutrition and energy. And D is for DNA. Number five, numbers give you a nudge to do something about it. And finally, number six, carrying a gene doesn't necessarily mean you've activated it. And there are a lot of lifestyle choices you can make so they are not activated. What an awesome show and what an awesome guest. Thank you so much, Dr. Patel, for being on the show. Make sure you go to her website at dralkapatel.com and take her LQ test to measure how smart you are about your lifestyle. You'll receive resources of where to start on improving your health. I hope this show inspired you to treat your health as a verb and start taking action towards a healthier body and a happier life. Okay, midlifers, get out there and be bold, be free, be you. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.